to the ExtraordinaryChurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. So uh, Exodus 1, 1 through 10, I'm going to be reading out of the New King James today. Now these are the names of the children of Israel who came to Egypt. Each man and his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulon, and Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All those who were descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Wow. For Joseph was in Egypt already, and Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied, and grew exceedingly mighty. Please catch this. And the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Did you catch that? What the enemy said? He said, they're more and they're mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them. Lest they multiply and it happen in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. Now let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 15, start at 15, praise God. Therefore, well, I'll give you a moment to get it. When you got it, say amen. Praise God. If you need a little bit more time, say hold up. Every time I say that, like nobody says hold up. I think like once, somebody said hold up once, praise God. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly, in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Praise God. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Praise God. I want to preach this thought to you today for about 30 minutes or so. Uh, y'all know that gives me about 40, but I prom- I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to stay in there. No. Uh, what you don't know can hurt you. What you don't know can hurt you. Father, we're so grateful for your presence. We're so grateful for the anointing. I pray that the anointing would flow 
on me as I continue to deliver your word. Let me serve as the microphone of heaven today. Help me to teach and to preach your word with relevancy and with accuracy. Do what only you can do. Our hearts are prepared. We want to be good soil. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Look at your neighbor. Tell him what you don't know can hurt you. All right, all right. Some of y'all were like, mm-hmm. Praise God. We're just look at you and even some of y'all was like, don't talk to me. Praise God. The phrase what you don't know can't hurt you. How many of y'all have heard that? What you don't know can't hurt you. It's a popular proverb whose exact origins are somewhat unclear. It's been used in various forms for, if you ask Google, centuries. Um, reflecting a sentiment that ignorance of certain problems or complications can sometimes or somehow spare a person from worry or stress. The phrase means that being unaware of a problem or potential harm might prevent you from being affected by it either by saving you from worry or by preventing you from taking actions that might exacerbate the situation. It carries an implication that knowledge can sometimes bring pain or distress. It, 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 it's an impl it implies that knowledge can sometimes, uh, oh, let me say it like this, uh, I guess somebody said ignorance is bliss. However, it, 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 it often used ironically highlighting that not knowing something can indeed be harmful. I want to counter that statement with something that uh, they used to say back in the day with G.I. Joe and others. You know, uh, they would say, uh, you know, knowledge is power. And they would say, like, and knowing is half the battle. You know, what you don't know can't hurt you, really should, we should be saying knowledge is power. See, when I say knowledge is power, I, I'm saying that being informed can allow you to make better decisions. Being informed can keep you from potential harm. Being conformed contrasts with the idea that ignorance can shield you from them. Can I just tell you, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is ignorance, and sometimes, if not maybe more often than not, what you don't know can indeed hurt you. Why? Because it can be seen as us being irresponsible, because it promotes ignorance. It promotes a lack of preparation. It, it promotes an uno, uh, being uh, uh, unaware, if you will. Can I tell you, when you are unaware of what's happening, you are not safe. You could very well be in danger. You could be in the throes of peril, not realizing it, and thinking you're living your best life when the reality of it is you are standing on the precipice of harm. It could be a missed opportunity for growth. It could be potential harm. It, it, it could be informed decision-making. Can I tell you, what you don't know can hurt you. Even as it relates to social responsibility, we all have member, we all have responsibilities to our community. It would be more effective. It would be more responsible. It would be more beneficial for all of us to approach life with a mindset of learning and curiosity and understanding that knowledge 
helps us, even though we live in a world laden with complexities, we still need to know how to navigate them. I'm here to tell you that what you don't know can hurt you. I'm often, uh, I often receive inquiries from people that are young in their faith or maybe even for those who desire to go deeper with the Lord. Anybody want to go deeper with Jesus? Praise God. I'm thankful to be a part of a group of believers who are hungry and aren't satisfied. I often get the question, Pastor, uh, if I were to start reading any book in the Bible, where would you want me to start? And uh, we could start in Acts. We understand that Acts uh, is really, it records the history of the early church. And we know that there's no completion to the book of Acts. It's being fulfilled in this day. I could tell you one of the Gospels, and I have told people, uh, go to one of the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that talk about the life of Jesus Christ and give you unique insights. It, it, it's nothing like, I love John in particular. I could go to James and talk about the pragmatism and the practicality of living out your faith like James instructs us to do. And I vacillated until about a couple of years ago. Uh, but people want to know how they can get a better understanding, a foundation. And over the years, while my responses have varied more often than not, I am now telling people, you need to go to Genesis. You can find every answer you need in Genesis. Start in Genesis. It all started in Genesis. Genesis is a fantastic book laden with life's issues. It deals with sin, parenting, marriage, and relationships. It deals with faith, worship, and prayer. It deals with creation, salvation, redemption, and so much more. It's all there in Genesis. However, the book of Ephesians leaps off the pages in my spirit because the centerpiece of this book of Ephesians that I read to you today is identity. Somebody say identity. You and I will never operate outside of our perceived identity. Thank you, Becky and Deborah Lee. You and I will never operate outside of our perceived identity like two more I'm going to say it one more time you and I you, let me get over because saying praise God you and I will never operate outside of our perceived identity praise God what am I saying as a man thinks in his heart so is he? You have to understand, you tolerate certain things based upon your perception. You behave a certain way based upon how you perceive yourself. You walk, how you walk into a room is affected by how you perceive yourself. How you interact with your boo or your bae is, is affected by how you perceive yourself. Praise God. How you go about your job is affected by how you perceive yourself. You'll never operate outside of your perceived or beyond your perceived identity. If you see yourself as a loser, that's what you'll be. 
If you see yourself as a failure, that's what you'll do. You'll think, well, of course this didn't work out. How could it work out? Nothing works out for me. Why would it work out for me? I, I'm not even working out for me. I'm tired of myself. I see myself as a failure. You, are, you begin to buy into that. You begin to perpetuate that. You begin to fulfill that. And you speak gloom and doom over your life. I'm telling you, if you see yourself as blood-bought, if you see yourself as being covered in the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed, baptized in his name, understand that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, you'll realize that you will make it. You will win no matter what you're facing. You'll square your shoulders, ten toes down, and say, I am more than a conqueror. I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. My God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think according to the power that works in us. I will live and not die. I will get what God has for me. I am born and purposed and destined to make a difference. You got to be careful what comes out of your mouth. And I'm not just here to propagate positive thinking. I'm thankful for it. God bless you. But I'm talking about articulating what the book says about you. And if we're not careful, we'll allow our identity to function out of falsities. And we wonder when our identity is founded in lies while we're not getting truthful results. You can't operate from a place of insufficiency, inadequacy, inferiority. None of that is scriptural, by the way. For your identity is in Christ and you are complete in him. The Bible tells me that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You've been set apart. You are peculiar. You are chosen by God. You're his beloved. And so you can't operate. But what we try to do is we try to operate from falsities and lies and deception, thinking we'll get truthful results. That's not the case. So you have to be careful with your identity. I'll give you this illustration uh, because it would work uh, if, if I went out to Dundas uh, and, you know, that even just going right out here on Mimosa, you make a left uh, on, uh, what is that, Floridale? Yeah. And then you go right there to here, Ontario. So uh, it can be kind of busy, right? But if I got out my car and just walked out into the intersection to just stop traffic dressed like this, people would not stop. Becky's laughing like she might speed up. See, that's that Deborah spirit. We need, to separate. We, we, need to, we need to separate. We need to get, I need Becky to sit by Sarah. Be Bella, I need you to handle your, that's why I got y'all, see, praise God. I know we're going to keep Deborah in check because Pastor Barry on one side, Bella on the other, so I'm covered, praise God. But if I went out there and I tried to stop traffic like this, people would honk, they might speed up, but they certainly would not stop. Now, yeah, they would think I've lost it. Now, let's say I get a police uniform. That's the last thing I need. Police uniform, man. I come up and I get out the car. I get out the street. Before people even see me, they see my car. They are immediately slowing down. 
they're t- nobody's even talking and they're telling the kids be quiet. Turn the music down. It's not even playing. The seatbelt is on. They're checking to see if the seatbelt is on. Posture gets quick. All of a sudden, 10 and 2. Before that, you was laid back. Praise God. That's the difference. As a police officer, I understand the authority that I've been given. And I can exercise my authority because it's rooted in my identity. You need to understand as well, when you are blood washed, see that's the problem. When you are, you've been blood bought, blood washed, you need to understand your identity is rooted in him. He said, greater work shall you do. He tells us, and I'm going to get to it here in a moment, we're seated with him in heavenly places. What am I telling you? You don't have to tolerate all the things that are happening in your home, in your family, in your life. You have the spiritual authority and backbone to say enough is enough. You can bring order to the atmosphere. You can bring order to a scenario on your job. God has given you the authority to declare, thus saith the Lord, and watch the atmosphere shift. I'm telling you, you can speak peace. Be still. I'm telling you, you can tell confusion. You got to go. I'm telling you, you can break the back of depression. You can break the back of heartache. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. If you believe that, give him praise. Everybody say identity. See, if you want to be reminded of who you are in Christ, if you've ever had a bad Monday and forget about how blessed you are, you need to take a time out and read the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Because the first 14 verses of the chapter of Ephesians, every part of it will set you free. It tells you you're blessed. It tells you you're adopted. It tells you you're chosen. It tells you you're loved and predestined. Praise God. Let me show you. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Praise God. Somebody ought to shout over this when you read this. This is going to bless me. Watch this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Do you know you got every spiritual blessing? Somebody just needs to claim it and activate it. In the heavenly places in Christ. Notice, it's in the spirit and it's in Christ. It ain't in anything else. It's not in money. It's not, oh, help me, Jesus. Just as he chose us in him. Did you catch that? He chose us. You're chosen. By God, before the foundation of the world, (laughs) that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined. In other words, he's done his part. If I do mine, I know the outcome. Having predestined us to adoption. As sons by Jesus Christ to himself. You've been brought into the family of God. 
according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. You are not rejected. You are accepted. Oh, my God. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound abounding toward us in all wisdom and prudence, making, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in this dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth in him. <laughs> this gets so good. I can't wait to break this down. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. It doesn't get any better than that. If you think you're forgotten, you can't be forgotten. He's already adopted you. If you think you're unloved, you can't be unloved because you've been accepted into the beloved. If you think you don't have a future, you have a future because he's predestined those who he called. And he already decided what your future looks like. Somebody say amen. Oh me, oh my, something. Praise God. There's a whole thing in the book of Ephesians about identity. Who Christ is and who we are in Christ. And I want to say this to you. There are people, try to sound really spiritual. You know, here's, here's how you know the spiritual frauds. They, 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 their, their posture changes when they start talking about spiritual stuff. It's like their voice changes. They try to sound really humble. And they try to articulate things. And they even say God differently. It's like God. But, but, but that's, that's for sure. That's not really biblical. People will say things like, oh, it doesn't matter who you are. It just matters who Jesus is. We're just going to sing kumbaya. That, that's a partially true statement. It does matter who Jesus is. It matters who Jesus is. But Jesus came and gave his life for people. They mean something to him. And if they mean something to him, then we need to stop acting like anybody or everybody is unnecessary to us. If it matters that you and I are born again, it matters that we're allowing him to save us. It matters that we're a child of God. Don't you ever let somebody tell you you're not important. 
if you were unimportant, Jesus would not have robed himself in flesh, died on the cross, rose again, ascended to heaven, and fill us with his spirit. I'm telling you, you are significant. I'm telling you, you have value. You are important. And your identity is not in the old man. Your identity is in your new man. And we celebrate the work of God that's going on in every person under the sound of my voice. You might not be where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. God is doing a work in your life. He's making all things new so don't walk around saying it doesn't matter who you are it does matter who you are you are somebody and when people start saying stuff like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter that stuff's not true this is why I say you know what the church will be too small as long as there's one person who is lost and doesn't know him people matter so Ephesians is all about identity First 14 verses of the chapter are dedicated to a thought that theologically submisses or or, uh, immerses us, if you will, into an identity that we are called to have. He is calling us to take on an identity or to better yet have our eyes enlightened. Paul spends ample time in the Ephesians, uh, primarily the first three chapters, reminding us of who we are in Christ. This is what he wants us to know. See, there has... Uh, I I completely get it. Give me a moment here. Let me just go sideways for a moment. There has been a glorification almost in theological circles uh, and in this world with tension. And I understand that there is tension within the text. I'm not saying that the Bible doesn't have tension in places, but it's almost as if people would rather you leave with more questions than you would answers when it comes to reading the word of God. Can I tell you, the Bible will not confuse you. The Bible is not meant to distract you. Bible is not to get you to walk off course. The Bible is the truth of God's word. It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Bible is literal where it can be read literally and it should be. And you don't need a theologian to come up and mess that up for you. When I say the Bible is always literal, I mean that, that it is always gets primary importance to what it means to get primary importance to. The Bible always imperfectly says exactly what it means to say. And I want to argue here that it's more than just literal. It is entirely literal, yes, but it is also what you can call literal plus. It is literal plus historical. It is literal plus allegorical. It is literal plus moral. It is literal plus literature. It is literal plus scientific. For example, the Bible says the wages of sin are death. We don't have to talk about that. We have to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. Receive the spirit of the Lord and watch him do a great work in our lives. The bottom line is Jesus wants us to know some things. And Paul prays for the church at Ephesus after giving them 14 verses of theology. He prays a prayer. He prays a prayer for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon the people of God. Look at verse 17 of chapter 1, Ephesians 1, 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, keep that up there for just a moment. The Greek text here may refer to an attitude or, or disposition that the Holy Spirit brings 
to our lives. One willing to receive and communicate the things of God. In addition, the text refers to the attributes that characterize the spirit. If the spirit of the Lord is the one giving it, which I believe he is, then you and I, we are the spirit that's receiving it. Hear me just for a moment. Our bodies are not the mechanisms by which we get in touch with God. Listen, your flesh and mind at times, if not the reality of it is the carnal mind in particular, they are at enemy. They are at opposite. They are opposing God. I'm going to prove it to you. Come to church on Sunday. Now, nobody's, I mean, if, you, if you're sleeping in when we have church at 3 o'clock, well, that's another conversation for another time. But if, has anybody ever come to church? We're the perfect church for imperfect people. On a Sunday, so just keep it real. You can raise your hand here. And you're like, and your body was like, oh, I'm tired. I had a bad week. Or somebody was talking about me, or so they say. Like three of y'all raise your hands. Somebody lying. Help us, Holy Ghost. Somebody hurt your feelings. Something weird happened on the job and the bills don't get paid. You get a bad report and your body said, don't praise. Your, your mind was saying, get somewhere else. That's why your body was telling you, but your spirit said, hold up. Let's hang out for a moment. God is up to something. We just got to hold on and see what the end will be. We have got to make sure that our flesh is not the drivers of our lives. You don't want your flesh and your carnal mindset to be the mechanism by which you approach God. Yes, your body has flesh, but you are spirit. And according to 1 Corinthians 10, you don't get spiritual things through the natural man. Yes, I understand that God is saving all of us in our entirety. I'm not minimizing the flesh, but I'm telling you right now, you don't get spiritual things through natural man. You get spiritual things communicated to you in your spirit, which is why we encourage people to praise God. And praise him, yes, even when we don't feel like praising him. Why? Because in spite of what your body's telling you, your spirit knows that on the other side of this hallelujah is a breakthrough for me and my family. Your spirit knows that I'm not going to let my flesh have its way because if I can just get to the other side of that, thank you, Jesus, and the other side of my hands lifted, he's going to inhabit my praise and help is going to be on the way and my strength is going to be renewed and there's going to be pleasures all over the place because in his presence are pleasures forevermore so he says I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to rest on you in the knowledge of him I don't have time to do this justice but let me just help you understand something you don't want wisdom and revelation that is not according to the knowledge of him where so people get all confused. Can I t I'm not here vilifying anybody, but you are not going to get supernatural knowledge through crystals. You're not going to get them sitting in front of a rock or worshiping a rock. What you will get, though, when you read, I'm not, I'm not here to blast anybody, but you're not going to get it reading tarot, card, tarot cards. But if you read this book, 
I'm telling you, you'll begin to get a revelation and an understanding. You'll begin to get a victory and a peace. What am I telling you? Stay in Christ. You don't need the horoscope. I'm telling you right now, you've got a book and a promise that will never, ever fail you. I believe this with all of my being. Watch this. Here's where it gets good. Watch what he does here. Look at verse 16. I, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, verse 17. This is cool. Now, I'm going to read 18. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Watch this. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Everybody, take your, take your two hands. and Lay hands on your natural eyes. Please close them before you do. Praise God. Okay, you can take them off. These are not the eyeballs that Paul is referring to. Okay. Let, let me explain. Most of us, you may or may not know this, your, your eyes are not fully developed in your mother's womb. Your eyes don't fully develop until about six to nine months after birth. For this first six to nine months of Mia's life, of Lincoln's life, I thought they were smiling at me because they could see me. No, 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 no. They see shapes and shadows. But what they're smiling at is the voice. Somebody's got to get that right there. I woof, jeez. Somebody's got to let that sink in. What am I here to tell you? You know what? For the first several months, they didn't see definition. They saw shapes and shadows. It wasn't until about six to nine months in that they began to see things clearly. What is meant, what I'm trying to get you to understand is rather we need to receive from the Spirit a revealing of the divine wisdom, the purpose of which is that, that they might themselves know God or Christ. That the eyes of our heart is what Paul is saying. The eyes of our spirit, the mind, the inner soul, it is, it's the power, the ability to grasp ideas. To this, God is asked to give illumination. Watch this. Because if, if illumination is not given, then the revelation can't be had. See, what you and I have to understand is just like the natural experience when you were born in the natural... You get born in the spirit. Your spiritual eyes, your spiritual eyes open, just like your natural eyes came open when you are born out of your mother's womb. Paul prays for these eyes to come open. He says that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Remember I taught you uh, just this past Wednesday, Luke 24, 45. Uh, then he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Can I tell you, all throughout you will find there are moments in time where God will provide illumination. One translation says, I pray that your hearts be flooded with light. It means you're standing in the dark, but light came into the room to show you what was available and accessible in the room. He says, I pray that God gives you a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge of Jesus so that your eyes may be enlightened. What he's saying, I don't want you standing in the dark. 
I want you to know things. And here's what's crazy. Paul doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, that you may know. All of this wisdom, all of this revelation is that we may know. He wants our eyes of our understanding of our spirit. And why am I making such a big deal about this? Because you would be amazed at how many Christians don't know. What does he want them to know? Three things. I'm going to give them to you quickly. One, what is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Paul specifies that he, he wishes God to enable these believers to understand with their enlightened hearts the hope to which they have been called. See, I believe what he's talking about. Paul says, I pray that God gives you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that your eyes can be opened and you can know what God intends for your life in the end. Why do you need to know this? Because if you walk through this life and you don't know God's expectations for your future, you'll believe the devil when he tells you you don't have a future. Some people lose their life, in their life. They live with everything, sleep with everything, and run to every drug. Get away from church. Get away from God because they believe the devil's lie, that they don't have a calling on their life. But I want to tell you, when God created you, you would not even be here if he did not have purpose on your life. You are dripping with destiny. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I'm, I'm going to show you this. This blessed me to no end this morning. Look at verse 13 in chapter 1. I'm going to give the media team time to find it. Ephesians 1.13. We're going to go to 14 too. Ephesians 1.13.14. Watch this. In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed. Now look at, I'm about to go into Ephesians 1.14. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. How many of you be glad to be filled with the Spirit? Receiving the Spirit of God is just the down payment that has been made. And one day we're going to experience the fullness of who he is and the fullness of the inheritance of the saints. Whew. Watch this. Watch this. This is, this is great. This just wrecked me to no end. But I want to go back to something. Look at this. Uh, in him, you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, okay? The word of truth being the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It's a promise, right? We're sealed with it. Now, check this out. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? You are sealed with his spirit, and he is the guarantee of our inheritance. 
He is the guarantee of our inheritance. The light of the world. The lamb from which was the foundations of the world, a lamb was slain. He is the guarantee of our inheritance, the Alpha and the Omega, the chief cornerstone, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lily of the... I'm telling you, he, the wheel in the middle of the wheel, he is our inheritance. I'm telling you, you can get excited about going to see grandma and grandpa, but Jesus is my guarantee. He is the reason why I have an inheritance. He is my portion. He is my inheritance. I want to see him. I want to know him in the fullness. Bible tells us in the book of Revelations that when we have that moment, we are so aghast. It is pure and utter silence. For a moment trying to process the majesty of his might, the awe of his wonder. We literally find ourselves. That is holiness. That's why the angels declare he's thrice holy. Holy, holy, holy. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that these elders are around the throne and they do nothing but cry holy, holy, holy. Because his holiness is ever expanding, it is never ending, and their understanding of it is like it's new every nanosecond. And they have no other response but holy, holy, holy. He is our inheritance. And so, Paul's praying for his readers whose faith he has heard about that they may increase in understanding. Their two-dimensional faith is worth noting since it capsulizes the sort of faith which this letter promotes. This is what God dealt with me about, and I just, this probably won't mean as much to you as it will mean, but the Lord told me early on, many years ago, I have released you not to preach anything other than faith and love. And I'm telling you right here, it's right there in front of us, all in Ephesians. It consists of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and a love toward the saints. Whew. You got to, I know this is good preaching, baby. Tell me, praise God. I'm glad you're getting with me. Thank you. I, 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 I want to show you something here. This, 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 bless me. Uh, this is crazy. I, where, where is it? Help me, Lord. I want to just hit it real quick. I, I, I got to share this. I, I just help me. Give me one second. Ah, verse 15. Okay. <laughs> right here. I'm like scrambling to find it in my notes. Go to verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Once I heard about your faith. And your love for all, not the ain'ts, but the saints. Oof. I'm thankful for the church. I love the body of Christ. I love the church. As a matter of fact, there's no place I'd rather be. 
I love it blemishes and all. I love it flaws and all. I love it people struggling, progressing, experiencing hang-ups, hurts, and still getting victory over the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here for all the smoke. I'm here for all the praise. I love being a part of the body of Christ. There's no other place I'd rather be. God has given me a love for the body. We need a love for the body of Christ like we haven't had before. Yes, we've got faith in the Lord, but we need love for the saints. I'm glad to be a part of the church. I know some have experienced church hurts, but I'm also here to declare the church helps. The church helps, the church helps, the church helps. And I thank God for the church because I'm here not only by his blood, but the church. The church cared for me. The church prayed for me. The church checked up on me. The church served me. The church gave me an opportunity to grow in my gifts and understandings. I would not be here if it weren't for... Let's stand. I got to hurry. I, I got to hurry. I took 11 extra minutes. Praise God. I told y'all, I'd give me 10. I took one. Praise God. In other words, it is a relationship of confidence in the work of God in Christ, which itself issues in a relationship of concern for the, for the body of Christ, no matter who they are. I was thinking about this. I don't know if y'all had this in Canada, but anybody, anybody familiar with a layaway program? You from the States. You do not know anything about Kmart. You do not know anything about Kmart. And that blue light special, praise God. Praise, praise thing. Thank you, Ryan. He's the eight. Why is Kmart not here anymore? Why do y'all run Kmart and Target and y'all just, praise God. I'm about to pray. I'm about to pray. I prayed Chick-fil-A came, praise God. I'm, I need y'all to agree with me. Waffle House is coming. <laughs> Liam and Abigail, if you've never had a Waffle House, I'm taking you to Waffle House. I need to drive y'all south of the states. Your life will never be the same once you have Waffle House. Don't be, don't be afraid. None of the servers will have teeth, but it will be good. Praise God. That'll be the difference here. Canada, Canadian Waffle Houses, everybody will have all their teeth in their mouth. Praise God. They won't have records, criminal records. Praise God. It's true. It's true. Y'all can laugh. I, I took my kids. I was like, yo, people are yelling and cursing and fighting. I'll say, just eat your food. It's just part of the experience. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Trust me. Trust me. I've got the anointing. Praise God. I was like, but they're going to scream and holler, but the food's going to be good. So growing up, you could buy Christmas in the summer because of layaway. Y'all see, y'all don't know nothing about layaway. All these millennials looking at me and Gen Z like, layaway? Layaway? Let me explain it to you all. Like these two right here, they're like, layaway? What is layaway? Let me help you with layaway, okay? So we all, even y'all explain, you're like, you know what layaway is. Layaway is when you needed a whole lot more than you had the money to pay for initially. But in order to have it at the right time, you had to take it off the shelf 
take it back to the layaway counter. You gave it to the people working at layaway, and your parents are like, I'm going to put a down payment on it in August, but I'm coming back. Your parents said, I'm coming back in December, and I'm going to take everything that I put a down payment on, it's mine. Even though I'm going to take a moment, I'm not taking it with me right now, I'm coming back. But you already know I'm coming back for it. Oh my, who am I preaching to this afternoon? When the devil tells you you don't have a future, I just want you to lift up your hands and thank God for the down payment. And the down payment is the Spirit of God. On Monday, on your worst day, when you feel like you don't have a future, the Holy Ghost will rise up and remind you, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. I'm telling you, God has plans for you. When he gave you the down payment on the inside, some of you are like, man, that down payment sounds real good. We got to hurry. We got to hurry. We have one altar call. But you know what? I want to pray for you that the Spirit of the Lord would give you wisdom, understanding, that the eyes of your heart may see this is mine, these promises. I see it like I've never seen it before. Just like when I was reading in Ephesians 1 and it said, oh, this, this Holy Spirit, is, it's an inheritance. It's, it's a promise. It's, and then I saw to myself, where in the world, how did I miss this right here? I thought, look at this. This is crazy. Right there. The Holy Spirit of promise. Who is guarantee of our inheritance praise God I'm here to tell you God wants to fix something and he's going to fix it by how you see it I'm telling you in just a few short moments we're going to pray a prayer you know what here's what I want us to do we'll do it quickly thanks for listening to our podcast join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.